So let's get into our message. We're wrapping up our series um, and this series has been something that I've really enjoyed doing. It's been called Impact, and today my message is called Growing and Maturing. And I, I don't do this very often, but I, I think I've got something quotable to say today, okay? So I want you to just hang on here for a second, but I, I think that this is something that's good. And, and you might want to consider, you know, writing that down, Gordy. Good, yes, thank you. Are you ready? Okay. The difference between you and you in 10 years is directly related to the amount of personal growth in your life during that time. I want you to think about that. The difference between you now and you in 10 years is directly related to the amount of personal growth that takes place in your life during that time. I think we need to be challenged today. I think we need to be challenged to grow. Author Mike Bundrant says this, that Americans spend 33 times more of their money on music, movies, personal appearance and personal appearance than they do on personal growth. You say, man, I, I, you know, Kevin, I don't know, maybe this, this personal growth, this kind of take it or leave it, you know, do I really need to worry about that? Let me, let me just, let me, let me give you something here that I think it's really important for us to note, you know, because it's, it's ironic because personal growth, it expands our frame of reference so that we will begin to include others around us in our thought process rather than becoming more and more self-centered. So personal growth in my life helps me to take into my perspective and consideration other people rather than no growth and just becoming more self-centered. That's a huge difference. And so when we talk about growth, it eventually is going to lead us to look at other people. This week, I, uh, I was perusing through social media and came across a story, and, and you know that, that every story uh, on the internet is true, right? You know that. Okay, let me ask you this. Have you ever actually dug in to find out if a story is or is not true that you see on social media? Well, I did that this week because I was really touched by this particular story. And the story is of a 29-year-old Polish woman. And her name is Irina Sendler. And Irina was a Catholic social worker in Warsaw, Poland, during the time of the Nazi invasion of Warsaw in 1939. The Nazis had sealed off what they referred to as the ghetto in Warsaw. And basically it became a place for them to maintain a level of control over the Jews that lived in that city. In 1942, Irina joined an underground organization called Zagoda. And it was an organization that was all about bringing aid to the Jews in Poland. 
And she wasted no time once she got involved in this underground organization. There was an arm of that organization that really dedicated itself in an effort to physically save children by getting them out of the ghetto, out of the control of the Nazis, and getting them adopted into other countries. And by this time in her career, she was an administrator in the welfare department for the city of Warsaw, which is under the control of the Nazis. And she was able to leverage her official position because the Nazis were scared to death of germs, particularly the germs of the Jewish people. That's why they had sealed them off in the ghetto. And so she was able to use that. So she entered the ghetto in her legal position every day for 18 months under the guise of attempting to stop the spread of disease beyond the walls of the ghetto. Officially, she would examine Jews for their symptoms of communicable diseases, but in reality, she was saving Jewish children on a daily basis. She kept meticulous lists of the names of the children that she rescued in order that one day they might be reunited with her, their parents after the war was over. She kept this, these lists in a jar and she buried that jar under a tree because... In an earlier event, she had those lists laying out and the Nazis came in and they were within a few feet of actually finding that list and realizing what she had been up to. And so she decided that she couldn't leave that to chance and so she secretively buried that jar under the tree in a friend's home in their yard so that no one would know where it is. She and her team they would use her official ambulance to smuggle children out of the ghetto right under the Nazis' noses. She would use burlap sacks. She would use potato carts. She would use medical gurneys. She even used a coffin to get a child out. She would walk past the Nazis. And on one occasion... She had in her possession a five-month-old child in a toolbox that she carried as she walked past the Nazi guards. When a child could be heard whimpering as she would approach the checkpoint to leave the ghetto, she had a dog that would travel with her in her Ambulance, and she had the dog trained to bark on command. Have any of you had that kind of a dog that would bark on command and the command was just a word, you know, of any sort? This dog, this dog knew right when to bark and she would literally give the command with that child whimpering and the, the barking dog would send the Nazis' guard dogs into absolute chaos, and it would get so bad that they would wave her through just to stop the chaos. In 1943, she was arrested, she was beaten, and tortured, and she was sentenced 
to death by execution. This morning, I want to share with you seven truths that I believe God wants you to know about your growth. The first one is this. Number one, forward motion is essential to growth. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. I want you to get the wording from the writer of Hebrews. Let us, therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward into maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. If we desire to grow, we're going to have to move to some place that we've never been before. I love the old saying that says, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've always been getting. And so if you want to grow, you're going to have to move into a place that you've never been before in your life. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that we need to leave the elementary teachings, which are good, They're good things, but those elementary teachings of Christ and move forward into a maturity in our faith. And if we move backwards, we're going to have to do all that foundational work all over again. And anybody knows in their relationship with Christ, if you have struggled or floundered or taken steps backward, that rebuilding that foundation is more difficult than building it originally. It takes a lot more work, a lot more dedication to do so. Now, I love to work on our home, but you know what? I, I kind of, I don't want to say I dislike it, but it always bothers me to do demolition. And when you think about demolition, I I, I look at it this way. It's really hard. That first swing of the hammer, that first wrecking bar that I, I, I wind up using, that first nail that I pull up, whatever it is, you're taking something that is functionally working. You're taking something that has been servicing you well for however long you've had your home. And you begin to dismantle that. Are you with me? It's really hard to take that first swing, to to move that first nail. And, And I always find myself with a certain amount of anxiety right at that very key moment because I know that once I begin to move forward, everything changes. I can't stop. I can't turn back. It's like signing on the dotted line. Once I sign, everything changes. It's the same way when we begin to do that work of of demolition in a home. We realize that as soon as I start, I'm going to have to take this all the way through, and I'm going to have to finish it. But until I'm I'm willing to take that step and to begin to move forward... And begin that process, literally, nothing will happen, everything will stay the same, and that bathroom is going to aggravate you every time you step in it. Are you with me? We've got to move forward. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we need to move forward into new things. Number two, 
Growth follows a pattern. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15, just verse 15. He says this, Paul says, instead of speaking the truth in love, instead speaking the truth in love, excuse me, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. I've told you the story that when I was a kid, I walked into a barber shop to get my hair cut, something that I do not do anymore. And a guy that was getting his hair cut while I was taking my coat off, he said, do, do not say a word. Now, I've been told that before, okay? Don't say a word. I know who you are. I'd never seen the guy. He said, you are Larry Taylor's kid. He said, I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I said, how did you know that? He said, everything about you is exactly like your dad. And I work with your dad. Now, in the Taylor home, we've had a, a new arrival, you know, um, who's now five months, six, six, over six months old. Um, and um, his name is Levi. And a lot of people that know my dad, you know what they say? He looks just like your dad. <laughs> Obviously, the Taylor traits run strong in our family, okay? It, it really, the, the, and, and I think I would have been like my dad, whether I was actually biologically his or not, because we tend to become like those that we spend the most time with. I want you to think about the five people that you spend the most time with. What are they like? What are they into? What are they passionate about? Are they people that are growing in their lives? What is most important to you, to them? The people that you see on that daily or weekly basis the most have a monumental impact on who you will ultimately become. In the animal world, it's, come, it's called imprinting. When that baby duckling is born and you happen to be there and if they see you, they're going to think you're mama and they're going to follow you around the yard like their life depended on it. Paul writes it this way, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So whose pattern do we follow? And as we grow in the Lord, we should more and more look like our Father God and Jesus Christ. That's who we should look like. That's the evidence that we're growing. Number three, growth is self-perpetuating. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 12 the, the writer of Hebrews says this, "In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers." You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by consent you... Uh, who by consent... 
Sorry, I, I, I literally couldn't see that word. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I want you to look at two phrases in those words. Look back up to verse 12. You need someone to teach you. And then in verse 14, you are, uh, have trained themselves. You have two opposite ends of the spectrum. One person needs someone else to teach them, to spoon feed them, to give them everything they need, and someone else is able to train themselves. Now, this new little resident that we have in our, in our home, there's this new phenomenon that's been happening, and he has been um, being spoon-fed by his parents. And I don't know what's, what's more fun to watch, his expressions as they, they give him carrots and, and, and rice cereal and green beans, or if it's his parents and their expressions as they're feeding him. And I remember what it was like when I was feeding the one who was doing the feeding. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really looking forward to the time when those chubby little fingers reach out on that height chair and they grab the Cheerios off the height chair. And they put them, he puts them in his mouth. Do you remember that? I mean, it's just like shoving it right in your mouth. I can't wait to see that happen. I can't wait to see the time when that little bugger comes over to grandpa and he wants what I have. Okay, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> I'm going to give it to him. Our, our children, they may start needing to be completely dependent on us, but it doesn't take very long until they begin to take the initiative themselves and they want to feed themselves. Now, they, they need us, okay? They need to know that they cannot have ice cream three meals a day. All right, but they they want to feed themselves. They want what they want. They may be dependent right now, but the time is coming when they will no longer be. When we are new in Christ, we depend on others to feed us the simple truth of God's word. But as we grow, there should naturally be a desire for us to feed ourselves. Why? Because we are hungry and we desire to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. Spiritual maturity is evident when we see people begin to train themselves, to begin to dig into God's word. Number four, growth is a part of a larger process. Look at James chapter one and verse three. Hopefully the word constant isn't in this verse. Because you know that testing, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Growth is not and must not be a one-time thing or a one-time event in our lives. It should be an ongoing process. Now, where are my teachers here today? I don't care what what level you teach at, if you're a teacher, raise your hand. Where are, come on, raise them up proud. Come on. I want you to applaud these people. Will you do that? 
They are amazing people because without these people, your child may never learn to read. Okay? These people teach others. And if we equate our own growth to learning, there is a scope of information that needs to be learned and there is even a sequence in which that information needs to be learned in order to be used effectively. And, and, and if, if us guys, if it was up to us, okay, to teach our kids everything, we'd be like day one of kindergarten, we'd be like, this is a power saw. Okay? This is a power saw. This is a cordless power saw. Okay, we would teach them these essentials of life. But you see, we don't understand that there's not only a scope, there's a sequence. And they start out by playing with those plastic hammers and dry on those little plastic black and decker workbenches and those plastic screwdrivers driving in the screws. Why? Because they're practicing for the real deal. There's a scope and there's a sequence that needs to take place. James said that trials lead to the testing of our faith, and the testing of our faith produces perseverance, which ultimately will lead us to a place of maturity in Christ. It's a process. It's not a one-time event. Number five, growth is a choice. This is good. I don't care what anybody says. This is good. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you... What's the next word? Louder. May. You may grow up in your salvation. I want you to notice there how important that word is. He doesn't say that you will. He doesn't say that you must. He doesn't say that you'll be forced. He said that you may, indicating that we have a choice. Growth is not guaranteed. It's a choice. And we have to make that choice each and every day. God has given you and God has given me a choice when it comes to growth. We can choose to remain where we are or we can choose to grow. If we're going to impact the lives of others around us, which is what our whole month has been about impacting, we need to choose to grow. Just like this conference that we're having here on Saturday, you have a choice. And some of you have never considered going to something like this. Why? Because I have something else that I want to do with my Saturday. And I get that. But the problem is that we, can, we continue to make that exact same priority, choice, and decision year after year, week after week, day after day in our lives, never choosing to prioritize growth in our lives. Remember, if we're going to grow, we've got to be willing to go someplace we've never been before, and I'm going to guarantee you parts of it will not be pleasant. But that's how we do it. We can choose to do something else, or we can choose to be intentional about our growth. Number six, this is a tough word that I'm going to start with. Consistency is the hardest part. 
1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15, Paul says this, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone, look at this, may see your progress. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Nicholas Cole wrote an article called Five Habits for Rapid Personal Growth. Here's what he says about consistency. He said it's the simplest habit in the entire world, this habit of consistency. It's also the single most challenging element of mastering not just a craft, but yourself. It's truly the reason some people succeed and others fail. There is no substitute for consistency. Growth simply does not happen in just one spurt in our lives, one short burst in our lives. Growth requires diligence over the long haul. I learned something last summer. I had a friend of mine, in a moment of my personal weakness, he was able to convince me that we should run a full marathon in October. He's sitting right over here. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> and I learned a truth, and that is you cannot fool training. You can't fool training. You will not be better on race day than you were in your training. You'll only be as good as you trained yourself to be, okay? Some of us, we want to show up on game day and we want to hit the grand slam and we've not done the batting practice, okay? We want to strike out the side in the World Series in the bottom of the ninth to win the game and we haven't spent the hours mastering that fourth pitch. Are you with me? It's not like that. There's got to be a consistency in our lives. Growth is going to become evident to others around us when we are consistent, when we continually grow over the course of our lives. And in order to impact the lives of others, we need to be consistent in that growth over time. And then number seven, growth pleases God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 Paul says this, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Growth pleases God. When we grow in our knowledge of him, we please him. The Bible says that one day each of us will stand before God. And I can tell you what I long to hear from him. I long to hear from him those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master's rest. Growth pleases God. Remember Irina, who I started my message with, 29 years old, a Catholic social worker, living in Warsaw, Poland, when the Nazis invaded in 1939. She was sentenced to death by execution. And a lone 
executioner took her deep into the woods that day. I can imagine the emotions that would have been flooding through her heart and her mind as she began to review her life, but I'll bet you she started thinking to herself, did I get out enough? Was I able to save enough? I wish I had more time because there are so many more children in the ghetto that need to be rescued, that need to be saved. I wonder if she thought about her family as the executioner made her kneel on the ground out there in the woods, probably with her hands bound behind her back. I can imagine the fear that might overwhelm her as she began to think that the last sound that I might hear is the sound of that service revolver as he clicks the hammer into place. I can imagine that she, she's just closing her eyes as tightly as she can in anticipation of that gun being fired and the end of her life happening. And as she waits for those seconds that seem like hours, nothing happens. She continues to wait and nothing happens. And I imagine that she summons all the courage that she has and she begins to turn her head and her body to look behind her to see what has happened to her executioner. And she finds that she's there in the woods alone. She didn't know it, but the underground had bribed the executioner and told them, to leave her alive there in the woods alone, but to go back and report that he had killed her. The Nazis wildly spread the news of her death, her execution. She went on from there and she lived in hiding because the Nazis knew who she, who she was. And at the end of the war... She hurried back to Warsaw and she went into that yard of her friend and she dug up the jar that she had buried in the yard that was filled with the list of names of 2,500 children that she had smuggled out of the ghetto. She wanted to be able to reunite these children with their families, but most of their parents died in the death camps. And she was unable to do that. But Irina made a long-lasting impact on each one of those children. And literally for generations to come, thousands upon ten thousands and hundred thousands were affected because of Irina. I believe that God desires you to make an impact on the lives of those around you for the sake of his kingdom. And I wonder this for each one of us. You see, I believe that, I believe we all have a jar. It may not be hidden under a tree in a backyard, but we have a jar. And I'm wondering how many names are in that jar. 
How big is the list? Is it, is it a big long list or is it, is it just got a, maybe one name on it? But it represents the lives of those that you have changed from your life. The lives of those that you have rescued, that you have positively impacted in a way that only through God's power you can. And I'm reminded that right now we have, a, we have this great gift called time. And I'm so glad that I have that gift because that gift was almost taken from me two years ago when I had cardiac arrest. But we have time. We have time to get more names in the jar. It's not limited right now. You see, we can make a decision that, God, I'm going to continue to grow in my life, and I'm going to continue to see more and more names in that jar. I'm going to continue through the power of the Holy Spirit to change lives. And I want to put more names on that list and more names. In fact, I want to fill that jar to overflowing so that I've got to get another jar. You and I, we can make that decision here today. I just want to invite you to stand with me all across this place. I don't know I don't know how many names are in your jar. But I know that a commitment to growth, you will see more and more names fill this jar. So today I'm wondering who is out there. You say, Pastor, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit this morning and I want to see more more names in my jar. I want to see the list of names larger and larger and larger. I want to grow. I want to make an impact on the lives of other people the way that Irina did by saving those, those Jewish children in the ghetto in Warsaw. I want to be able to see their names written in heaven's book on God's list. And I want to see them in that jar. Today can be a day of decision for you. God, I want, I want to be used to make an impact. If that's you, I want to invite you to do something very decisive. I want to invite you to step from where you are. I want to invite you to find a place here at the altar as the worship team leads us and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to cultivate something in your heart today that is going to have a lasting impact on the lives of other people.